Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here. Sam Ekstrom is fresh from the press conferences of Ed Donatell and Wes Phillips, the Vikings' new defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator. And I am done with jury duty, Sam. Wow. What's the verdict? I don't know. And I'm not going to be a part of it. So what happens is they always have several alternate jurors in case somebody gets sick, especially with covid And so you have to be there as the alternate juror, but you also don't know if you are the alternate juror, because if they told the alternates, Hey, you're the alternate, I'd just be asleep in the back. Who cares? I'm not even a part of this. So we get to the very end. We go through all the stuff, all the evidence, days and days of this through this case. And then the closing statements and the, there are these long presentations from, uh, I guess, call them the defense and the offense. And Then they get to the end and it's like, okay, the jury is going to go in that room next to us and deliberate except for three of you. And I was one of the three. And so my opinion does not matter, but I also got to go home and I'll check out what happened to the case. And so I'll just tell you a little bit about it since I've been talking about it. And now uh, there's no uh, gag order on me. The judge said you're free to talk about it. So I'm going to go with him. It was a sex trafficking case in which uh, basically the cops had done a sting operation and had discovered at this hotel that this gentleman was, um, say, selling his friend and uh, possibly another friend. But we were skeptical on that. And so, you know, they went through all the evidence. Here's what was on his phone. Here was the pictures. Here were videos. Here were text messages, all these things. And here's what happened. Here's what the cops say happened. And uh, there were two things that were interesting about it. Number one is that the defendant did not testify and no one testified on his side, which is a strategy because you're basically like, prove it. Like, just prove it. Prove that I did this. Right. You're opening yourself up to cross-exam if you do that. Exactly. And I don't think that this uh, gentleman really wanted that. So, you know, they didn't do that. But the, the defense just like day after day of pounding on the evidence and the defense attorney had lots of object objections and sidebars and all sorts of stuff like that. It is not like law and order because that takes an hour. This took all day sometimes to figure out is this piece of evidence going to be allowed? Is this not? They were constantly bickering over evidence over what people could say on the stand. This one detective was on the stand for a day and a half, basically. I mean, it was a drag um, to get to the end. And then when they were giving their final presentations, the defense attorney who several of us called better call Saul, I mean, Saul Goodman was this guy. 
And he went up and he brought the game of Clue with him. The, you know, the board game. Oh yeah. And he pulled it out and he started unraveling it and he's got the board and everything else. And he goes through this whole spiel about how, even in the game of clue kids understand that you need to know who did it, where they did it and whatever, whatever, with what weapon, with what weapon. Right. And he said, the state's case against us does not show any of these things. I mean, the problem is that, um, if you are trafficking, someone maybe don't do it on the phone you use all the time uh, because then they can look at it and see all the things you did. So that was uh, this, this gentleman's mistake, but I don't get to rule on it. I mean, my uh, colleagues, cohorts, fellow jurors, they might decide differently than I thought. I mean, I thought that there was very compelling evidence on a couple of charges. There was not as compelling of evidence on another charge um, the defense attorney just didn't really make a great argument. It was a hard argument to make. It was like dead to rights from the very beginning. And he tried to make the case that like, I mean, do we even know that his cell phone is his cell phone? But the unfortunate thing was his phone. It was called his phone. Like it was his name. And it was just like, and you know how like in your phone, in the contacts yourself yeah. is Sam's phone or Matt's phone. It was that guy's name's phone. It was like, well, that's a pretty tough case. And then what these people do is that they post on these websites, uh, like they make posts and they put their phone numbers in it. So the phone that's on him, that's called his phone, is on the post. And the cops texted his phone, had an exchange with him about a purchase. It, and then when they got there, he's there with the girl that he's trafficking pretty tough to overcome that. So I think what I would have gone with is, uh, yeah, probably, probably would have gone the way that I expect my fellow jurors, former fellow jurors to go. Uh, but I can say that I learned a lot about the process. I mean, it is really arduous to make a case against somebody. They put a lot of work into it. It takes a long time and it's a lot, it's like long days for the jury and you have to pay attention a lot. And there's a lot of instructions. Like the judge goes through one by one, all these different things. And he's talking, he's giving us like dissertations about bias and things like that. And, uh, at the end of the defense, my favorite moment, other than bringing out the clue game, which was just like cheesy. Come on. I have so many questions about the clue game. Like, yeah. do, do you think he uses it? For every All new the time. Jury. Yes. <laughs> yes. This is not the first time, but it's the first time for us. Right. Uh, but at the end, and this is when you know you're really in tough. And we'll get to the coordinators in a second, I promise. You know you're in tough when the guy says, Look, would I want Mr. his name as my neighbor? Probably not. Ooh. But that doesn't mean that they proved their case. And you're like, is that really what you want to say about this guy right now? I mean, I thought there was maybe a few avenues to try to argue that other people may have used his phone. That was maybe the best shot or to try to argue that he was not exactly what you think he is, but more of a friend of the person who was selling herself, but he was just holding the money and help it. I don't know. It was a very difficult case to make on his side. It becomes like everything becomes like sports in my head. But I should also say that like, it was dark. 
It was very dark. It was like, we all watch SVU and stuff, law and order. And we're just like used to how dark stuff is, but then you see it and it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, that, yeah, that's, that's pretty rough. I mean, this, um, the, the victim, it was one of those situations where like, she's doesn't have anywhere to go kind of thing. And then it's this person taking advantage of that. Um, I mean, it was, it was really, yeah, it was really messed up. Uh, but you know, so now I'm now I, unlike him soon am free likely and he might get off. I, I doubt it though. I'm, I've, you know, talking with the other alternate jurors, I would be very surprised, uh, if, if they're not, uh, compelled by the evidence, but I am free and we'll be going to the combine just fine. And we're here now in the middle of the day. Cause I'm done. And, uh, that's wow. it. The jury duty experience. Well, okay. I mean, I'm I'm sorry, first of all, that you got left off the game day roster for this uh Super I was Bowl inactive. sorts. <laughs> yeah. Inactive on uh on the day, the moment of truth. And you did not get a chance to collaborate with your fellow jurors, <laughs> which we heard a lot about collaboration today. Um, uh, I was hoping you would say that that the Saul Goodman lawyer would pull the ultimate Goodman, which was up from the show hiding the defendant in the crowd and having a fake defendant on the stand genius and yeah and having them identify the fake defendant brilliant um that show's coming back by the way mm. in like two months Very it is I, I mean it like top three shows for me mm-hmm. ever bojack horseman if people have not seen it might be my favorite show of all time and then better call saul and probably Sopranos? Have you seen Sopranos? No, you've told me a lot about it, and it's a classic. So you got to get it. It's just one of those ones. It's it's tough to get the ball rolling on a long show like that. Yeah, I mean, there's hundreds of episodes. It goes a really long time. But uh, if people haven't seen BoJack, I feel like that one is one that I bring up and I make a reference to, and people are like, Nah, I don't know, cartoon. But it's not. You got to stick with it. It's one of those things. Anyway, and let me make one more television reference that I made in the room. So we had our own locker room that was not like the Vikings locker room. It was like Michael Scott paper company where it was just like a (laughs) closet with a bathroom. It was just like what COVID can we get a bigger room? Like really? Uh, Yeah. But I have to say, and this doesn't matter to anyone, but um, my fellow jurors were just terrific. I mean, great people easy to be around. We made a lot of Minnesota small talk because we can't talk about the case. So I'm sure everyone wanted to be like, are you buying this? But you can't like that's, you're not allowed until deliberations. So we, you know, we talked about jobs and people talked about their kids, their pets, the, you know, lots of things. Everyone was really nice. And I, I trust them to make uh, the right calls when it comes to this. So there you go. How's the press conferences? I mean, uh, when is the last time I really mean this, that I was not at two straight press conferences. I feel like the answer would be never since I've been here. Yeah, you've well, you've you've missed, you know, the introductions to these four people. And first impressions are very important, Matthew. Yeah, so thanks, Sam. Thanks. Um, I, I'm not sure that they're ever gonna take to you because you're gonna come <laughs> in cold and you're gonna be this outsider now. I mean, we're all best friends. Oh, KLC and me and Ed and Matt, Wes, who you call him, you call him Eddie. Calling him TV Eddie reference, by the way, again, Wes Phillips gives off serious Connor Roy vibes from Succession, which I don't think you've seen. I have not. Connor no. Roy, mainly the beard, not as much the odd personality. 
Um, but anyway, it was it was good. It was good. A lot of enthusiasm, a lot of buzzwords. I would say a little bit of good information, a little bit of insight. Um, I'm not walking away jaw on floor. I don't think we learned a lot of trade secrets today. Um, I found Wes Phillips probably to be the most illuminating. Um, and, you know, he's got, there's so much lineage there. You know, Bum and Wade are like two of the most distinctive. It's a very distinctive football family. Um, so to have Wes, you can kind of see Wade in his face and you're like, ah, oh, man, you're going to have some good lines. I can tell. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. But I didn't like writing the takeaways for this is is going to be a little bit of a chore because these guys don't want to overstep in their introductory presser. Um, but I'd say I got a few a few little nuggets for you. Did you get a chance to watch it? I did. Uh, I read through it. I read through the okay. transcript of it. Um, like they have at the courts, they have a court transcript that you're not allowed to see as a jury, actually. So if you're confused about something someone said, you have to check it with everyone else's notes. I thought you got the transcript of all the things that people said, but not true. Um, so I read through the transcripts and the, the one thing, there's a few things I want to talk about from it. Uh, number one is when someone says things about Kirk Cousins that are just completely not true. Like, what does that make you think? Like when Wes Phillips calls Kirk Cousins athletic. Now, look, I'm not trying to insult Cousins. He is objectively unathletic. Like if you go to his relative athletic score, which is his combine performance, he ran a four, nine, three, I believe he is not one of the taller, bigger, faster, uh, jukier, like any of these things, quarterbacks in the NFL, and so there, he said several things about Kirk Cousins that just weren't true at all. And I th I wondered what you thought of that, because I think like, are you just saying words that might apply to quarterbacks and trying to make sure you cover it all and don't insult the guy and don't say anything that could be taken in any way? Because already Kevin O'Connell has made several headlines about Kirk Cousins by not committing to him. So uh, I was wondering what you thought of his comments. Yeah, I mean, the not just the he's athletic thing, but he can throw from all kinds of platforms. I don't know about that. No, like, that's not true at all. No. He had, he had, he had a nice, remember that fadeaway? Um, was it in Seattle or da I think it was Dallas. He had like a fadeaway pass, which was the one time he's done that. And, um, and a one-handed catch by Rudolph. I want to say that was pretty impressive. Other than that, um, he can throw off drift. The transcript says, I'm not sure what that means. Um, but I love, I love this. Like, what can you say about Kirk Cousins that is technically true without, you know, saying anything more or incriminating quote, he's in the building and the guys know it. <laughs> that's, that's an actual quote from Wes Phillips. Um, I think, I think there's a lot of politeness. I think there's a lot of wanting to keep his stock up and not rock the boat, but the sum of the parts, dude, I mean, there's been like six Kevin O'Connell interviews now, and mm -hmm. each one he gets dodgier and dodgier about Kirk Cousins. Um, Kirk Cousins like cancels his football camp out of the blue. There's rumors of of trade calls. It's all going the direction we thought it would, and they're talking around kind of the elephant in the room as is expected. What when Wes Phillips calls him athletic, I guess I just wonder if maybe he's just throwing out platitudes and he's not super comfortable doing big press conferences. And if he just got a little bit, 
in he he kind of went robot like cliche machine coach, yeah. which happens from time to time. Because that's not it. There's just no basis in reality there. But um, they're going to be nice to Kirk until the day he's gone. And then when he's gone, they'll still be nice to Kirk. They'll say, well, he's a great quarterback, but we were blown away by this deal. That's what it's going to sound like. And there's no reason to insult Cousins anyway. I mean, mm-hmm. Cousins has played better in Minnesota than he played in Washington. And if you want to, like, who is to blame for the fact that this didn't work? It's not Kirk Cousins for signing a piece of paper that said you play here for a gajillion dollars. And he's played every game except for the one COVID game and the one where he was out um, at the end of the year against the Bears in 2019. So those are the only games he missed. So he was there and he was very much Kirk, like the same player that you could have watched in Washington. And the team failed to build around him to work with the salary cap, to work with the roster. They failed to successfully draft. And also they failed to anticipate how much Kirk cousins weaknesses would hurt them. And gosh, I just can't get it out of my head. The, the chart that shows cousins when he's asked to do anything else, but throw to his first read, it just shows so clearly that he's well below average. And yet Matt Stafford and other great quarterbacks have passed their first read. And that means scrambling check downs or uh, second read. The great quarterbacks are, are way up there. And like, that was something that was evident from cousins in Washington. His lack of leadership was evident in Washington. I mean, go back and look at the quotes from his former coach and, and teammates and things like that. I mean, all these things, they were there and then they saw him for two years. It didn't work for two years. And they extended him based on a playoff game win in which he was terrific. We were there sitting next to each other. He was terrific in that game against New Orleans, but that's one game and they extended him. Like these are not things that Kirk Cousins did wrong. So there's no reason to come in and just be like, yeah, bleep Kirk. He's, he's, you know, doesn't have a good arm or anything else. You know, you, why would you do that? So you're going to just offer a bunch of compliments. It also is not Wes Phillips's call at all. It's crazy and it's Kevin. And those two guys will make that call. So if you're Wes Phillips, what do you say? It's just that when you try to give a non-answer, and we've done this a lot, this dance, when you try to give a non-answer, but your non-answer is ridiculous, then we're like, oh, okay, well, we know what you're trying to do here. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. you got to tell that line of a non-answer that still actually makes sense. Yeah, it's it's kind of, and I don't think we're being unrealistic to say that I don't think we're looking through this through a, a too biased of a lens. Like it's pretty clear that these statements are elusive, right? They're they're not answering the questions head on. They are are tiptoeing around them. And Kevin O'Connell going on Chad Hartman yesterday and saying that, well, training camp's a long ways away when asked <laughs> yes, if Kirk Cousins yeah. will be the quarterback at training yep. camp. That is such a telling answer. So I don't know how you can really interpret it any other way. Um, and again, every statement about Kirk Cousins is grounded in sort of like the the present, you know, and the, all the answers are, well, this is what Kirk is today at this moment. Let me check right. my watch at 1215 p.m. on the 24th of February. This is what Kirk Cousins is. But they're, they're not committing to one minute beyond that, which to me, it speaks volumes. And I think the more answers we get on record about this, the more it's like you listening to all the evidence, the, the more circumstantial evidence there is for us to draw our conclusions that won't put anybody in jail, but can make for, you know, 
good tweets and podcasts. Folks, we've got an even better offer to tell you about from Soda Stick. If you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, one word, you can get 15% off your purchase. That's right. At SodaStick.com, your place for Minnesota sports-inspired apparel, you can get 15% off just by using the code PURPLEINSIDER. I've told you about all the great football designs, but they've added a few more, including the Axe is Back for Minnesota football fans. You can get that on a shirt, on a hat, and also Randy Moss is the GOAT, the Purple People Eaters, Bud Grant designs for the old school fan, plus the hockey and basketball teams are both actually exciting this year, and Soda Stick has you covered there as well. Go to SodaStick.com, that is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com, and use the code PURPLEINSIDER for 15% off. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Let's spin the wheel real quick. You want to spin the wheel real quick before we continue to talk about this? Okay. Yeah. I'm spinning the quarterback wheel. Do, 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 tick, 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 tick. Okay. Comes on number. All right. Number 19. It's got your big arm quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick. How would you feel if Ryan Fitzpatrick was the Vikings quarterback next year? Well, this is a great one because I think he was your Vikings quarterback on our QB market predictions on the website like one or two days ago i would love it i mean i'm i'm kind of all about having some fun with this bridge year that's why i like Minshew, and that's why fitzpatrick would be great he would be unbelievable guys would rally around him the fans would absolutely love it and he might be able to win you some games and certainly could win you know a cousin's amount of games too uh his last season at age 38 he went four and three with Miami. And I know that he's been on some pretty crappy rosters. I mean, usually when you're that type of bridge quarterback, you're not surrounded by talent a lot of times. So, you know, didn't really look great at toward the end of his jets tenure. He was on the, um, you know, the bucks filling in for, for Jameis and not looking great, not looking great with the dolphins a couple of years ago, but this is a quarterback that's also gone 10 and six before, and he's thrown, 220 touchdowns in his in his uh nfl career so i i would love fitzpatrick how about a how about a ryan fitzpatrick turns into chris chandler or something like a guy who was a bad journeyman backup and then all of a sudden takes the vikings to the super bowl like chris chandler did with atlanta okay maybe not here here's what i think in in terms of the ryan fitzpatrick discussion because i'm sure there are some people who are like what What the hell would be the point of moving on from Kirk to have Ryan Fitzpatrick? I mean, well, A, you are drafting a quarterback in that case, obviously. Yeah. 
but also B here's the thing about the last couple of years. They have been horrible. And I mean, like not fun at all. Last year, there were a lot of tense games and there were some entertaining wins at the end, but I don't think that Vikings fans have had a good time. And since I've most recently been talking to jurors, uh, one of the jurors was talking about how she's from Wisconsin. She likes the Packers, but her boyfriend is from Minnesota. He likes the Vikings and how she said, I've just really have ended up feeling bad for Vikings fans because it's always so brutal. And I was like, yeah, I mean, the last two years have not been fun at all. When Kirk cousins melts, it's not fun when he, we all know this look, it's just not, it's like not, at all fun to watch. Cause you know, it's there. It's the check down to the fullback. It's the happy feed. It's the nervousness in the pocket. It's like, Oh, it's one of those games. And you know, cu- coming sort of close to the, in the hunt graphic and then not going anywhere. Like it's just not entertaining. Ryan Fitzpatrick will make it fun one way or the other. I mean, there'll be lots of throws down the field that work and lots of throws down the field that don't. If you have Ryan Fitzpatrick as your quarterback, and of course, he's working with a younger quarterback too at this at the same time. Um, so I, you know, I mean, from that perspective, you could at least have some entertainment value. I think a really, really excellent locker room person in Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. And I was trying to look up the stat. I swear he had a really high big time throw rate in uh in yeah, okay, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad in, in 2020. But throughout his career, he's had different times where he's like had a lot of big time throws going down the field. So would you win much? Um, no, of course not. But you'd have a great person to help out your rookie and you would have a, a really fun season. And I know from interviewing Ryan Fitzpatrick, I mean the guy's just the guy's just great. Like he's as great as you think he is to be around. Yeah, and he'd have a different approach than like a Baker Mayfield who would still, I think, be trying to prove himself. And he'd be looking over his shoulder at the rookie that you draft. And, you know, he would would know that this probably isn't a long-term home for him. And that that might affect the what what you're going to get out of him. Um, Now, I'm not saying that that's a bad option because I don't think wins are all that important this year. But I think that Fitzpatrick just, I mean, it gives – it gives you a quarterback who's not going to be afraid to force the ball to Justin Jefferson. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you get to see what happens in that case. And he'll be surrounded by a pretty, a pretty good staff that's going to empower him. And uh, you know, after missing last year, he's probably going to be, you know, super appreciative to be there and he'd be pumped at the opportunity. And it would just, it would be a, a healthy marriage or fling, I guess you should say with, uh, with Fitzpatrick, even if it's only a year, let's say you wouldn't see him barking, at his teammates. Thank you. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. Uh, as well, we'll continue to dig, dig, dig through a lot of these quarterback scenarios with the spinning the wheel of quarterbacks, but let's get back into, um, uh, you know, what Wes Phillips had to say. And we'll talk about Ed Donatel too here in a second, but just as a note, I I've been asked a couple of times what people think of the idea that CJ ham could maybe be gone because they use a lot of 11 personnel in Los Angeles. I don't think that, like everything that another team did that people came from means they do all the things the other team did. So CJ ham, it almost, when we talk about CJ ham, it almost feels condescending to be just like, Oh, the fullback and whatever else, because fullbacks are amazing and so forth. But 
when Kevin Stefanski was here, they used CJ Ham as a legit weapon. Like he would line up in different places. They would use him in motion at times. He was a he's a really good blocker. He could catch the ball. I don't know of any other fullback in the last 10 years who's run a go route and caught the ball. And uh, CJ Ham did it last year. I think it would be a mistake to just be like, no, we ran uh, three wide receiver stuff. So see ya, CJ. You want good players and you want to use them to the best of your ability. And I think that there's an edge in the NFL that has been utilized by a few teams of having a fullback or tight end, big personnel, because no teams have linebackers anymore. They run, some teams run one linebacker. And so if you're out there putting big personnel, that means that the other team is having to put on the field dudes that aren't usually on the field. And I feel like that's a really great tool in the bag to have. Yeah, I agree with you. And Phillips indicated too that the the 11 stuff with the Rams became their preference later in the year. And they ended up being number one in the league and using it. But um, they they did start out the year in more 12, he said. And then there were some injury issues. And obviously, you know, Higby was banged up end of the year as well. And they were just kind of forced into going more 11. Um, but I think there's a willingness on this staff to certainly try to exploit those third linebackers, create mismatches. And I, I especially think that Irv Smith is going to be a real focal point of this offense, trying to get him in those mismatches and, and getting down the field. That's probably the weapon that hasn't been as well deployed as he could have been in his first two years in the league. And then last year hurt. I think there's the most potential to squeeze a lot out of that position. I mean, you, Hard to get a lot more out of Justin Jefferson. We know exactly what Adam Thielen is, um, but Irv Smith probably could explode. I mean, there's there's a huge explosive potential there, especially in a contract year for him. Um, so I'm looking forward to what they to see what they do. We don't know like who their tight ends are at this point because they have three free agent tight ends and Irv Smith and I guess Zach Davidson. It would be their backup. Like if the season started today. Um, so they might end up being 11 because they won't have another good tight end. But, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. C.J. Ham certainly showed that he can be in that tight end role. And Wes Phillips mentioned that that they're going to evaluate all the personnel. And they they might, you know, use C.J. Ham because he is a good piece of this existing offense. And he's under contract. And I'm not sure what the guarantee is. But, uh, you know, that matters. And I, I don't I think that, you know, Ham sort of became this guy that it was like, oh, Kirk is checking down to C.J. Things are going bad. But there were also plays like he's had explosive plays throughout the years where there was one in Carolina or Carolina was just like, well, no way they give it to that. Oh, my God, they gave it to that guy. Right. You know, it's like this thing every once in a while he will surprise you. He was a very good running back in college. And I just think like it's not my obsession with old fullbacks that causes this, but that the number two tight end, the fullback, like these are things that you can use effectively. And when they were using Rudolph and Irv Smith on the field together a lot, it was effective because other teams were like, what do we do here? Do we stay in nickel? Do we bring in another linebacker? And San Francisco does this all the time. Um, so there was another thing that uh, Wes Phillips got asked about, which was bum Phillips, which is Wade Phillips's dad, who's a famous NFL coach for the Houston Oilers and the New Orleans Saints. And bum Phillips used to wear a big giant, like 10 gallon, what do they call it? 12, 15, 70 gallon hat. What is that? How many gallons is it? Whatever. I thought it was 10 gallon hat, 10 gallon hat. Okay. Yeah. So he used to wear that on the sideline and like boot, like cowboy boots and stuff is amazing. How this is got banned. I have no idea. Like letting coaches dress however they want should be a thing that comes back. 
But uh, Wes Phillips said he was less quotable and showed that in his press conference. But I pulled up a couple of great Bum Phillips quotes and they're they're super good. Uh, here's one that I like um, that isn't like hilarious, but I think is a good quote. Uh, how do you win by getting average players to play good and good players to play great? That's how you win. I totally agree, Bum Phillips. Bum Phillips has some gems here that aren't just like, oh, he's this funny old football coach, like that are actually good. Um, but there are some that are funny. Um, I mean, when Wade's Twitter is gold too, assuming that yes. that's Wade, who's the one tweeting. So Wes has to have some dry, dry humor back there somewhere. He struck me a little bit like Stefanski where mm-hmm. you, you could see in his eyes that you knew that he had like a wit about him, but yes. he wasn't going to let you behind the curtain quite yet. Yeah. Which is fair. Uh, and that's totally true about Stefanski. How about this one? You fail all the time, but you aren't a failure until you start blaming someone else. Well, Mike Zimmer didn't believe in that one or maybe overlook that in the bum Phillips biography or wherever that came if from. If only bum could have been his Bill Parcells. He would have had that, <laughs> that different, different wisdom. Yeah. I don't know if Bill did that either. Uh, how about this one? I don't mind people thinking I'm stupid, but I don't want to give them any proof. That's a classic. That's a good one. So <laughs> bum Phillips. Uh, let's see. Give me another thing that stuck out to you from way or from uh, West Phillips. I'll tell you a Wade Phillips story and then we could talk about Ed Donatel. Okay. Two things. Number one, I don't know his awareness about Eric Hendricks fear-based comments, but Wes brought it up twice um, using that. He doesn't want to be a fear-based coach. He doesn't want guys to be scared of him. And he used that in multiple responses, which I thought was incredibly interesting and contrasting um, to the previous leadership. And it, it it might've just come out organically, you know, maybe he might not have even been aware of it um, because it was pretty on the nose, like an exact uh, contrast to what we heard Kendrick say. Secondly, I asked him about offensive line traits that he's looking for. And he said, quote, something like, we don't want guys that can only run block and not pass block. And that's pretty on the nose too. You know, that describes mainly Garrett Bradbury. Um, but, you know, a couple of these guys that have been brought in that are light, mobile, not very sturdy in pass protection. And it, it kind of, you know, it might shed some light on who they won't be going after in free agency or the draft, the type of lineman that they won't be as interested in pursuing. Because he also talked about the, you know, the place of the running game. And he he spoke about it by saying, the running game's important, but, you know, and then he yep. had the qualifier yep. of, well, you know, winning is more important. Um, so we're not going to run just for the sake of running the ball. And I think that's kind of what the previous iteration of this leadership believed as well. So I, I think there's going to be some different views, um, which is good, which is what we expected and kind of kind of hard hitting against everything that was believed previously was contested with what Wes Phillips said today. Yeah, something he said about the run game that stood out to me. He said that uh, people would accuse them of abandoning the run. And he used the example of against Todd Bowles' defense, it's really hard to run. And so they would mostly focus on the pass. And I thought, sir, you will not be criticized here for abandoning the run. In fact, abandon it right now. Abandon it. Just, Just get away from the run and everyone will like you. Uh, before you even start designing run plays, abandon them. 
it's just it's sort of funny it's like oh man you're not going to get that here uh now there are times in games and we've covered many games together so you know that this does drive me crazy where teams are running the ball really successfully and then stop doing it and los angeles last year was the counter example to that sony michelle of all people was just steamrolling the vikings in that game and matt stafford was throwing interceptions to everyone with two hands so uh they just kept running and they steamrolled over the Vikings in that game and ran for 200 yards. And it was just like, that's what you want out of a running game. Your running game is if you can't stop our running game, we're just going to destroy you with it. And uh, if you can, we're still going to use it in play action and things like that, where it's been proven to be successful. So I think that he was um, striking the right tenor. One other thing I wanted to tell you about with uh, Wes Phillips, he mentioned that his dad used to be criticized not wearing the headset on the sideline. This is true. I I grew up, I, I mentioned this all the time, but you know, grew up in Buffalo. And in 1999, Wade Phillips is the head coach of the Bills. I'm 13. And I remember this being talked about all the time. Why does Wade Phillips not wear the headset? What is wrong with Wade Phillips? Doesn't he know what's going on in this game? Every time there was a mistake in a game, Wade doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't have the headset on. What is happening here? The Bills in 1999 had the number two defense in points against and the number one defense in yards against with Wade not having the headset on, which tells Mike Zimmer that you don't actually have to do all the jobs yourself, that Ted Cottrell was a really good defensive coordinator. So it was funny because the 99 Bills are one of my favorite teams of all time. Doug Flutie comes on the scene, goes 10 and five as a starter. He's running around. He's making plays. He's super fun. There's Flutie flakes. And then imagine if this happened today, Sam. Week 16. Well, let me rewind. The, the Bills had traded a first-round pick for Rob Johnson for, to the Jaguars uh, in 98. So the owner wanted Rob Johnson to play all the time, but Doug Flutie was playing better. They kept sticking with him. Week 17, a meaningless game against the Colts. Rob Johnson comes in, goes crazy, throws for 300 yards, three touchdowns, just looks brilliant. And the owner, and this has been confirmed by Wade Phillips, the owner of the Bills told Wade Phillips in the playoff game against Tennessee, you have to play Rob Johnson. So after going 10 and five as a starter for Doug Flutie, Wade Phillips was forced to bench Flutie for Rob Johnson, the playoff game. Here's the crazy thing. Rob Johnson leads a game winning drive that is then overtaken by the Music City Miracle. Rob Johnson was horrible in the first half of the game. Great in the second half. They get the lead on the Titans who went to the Super Bowl. And then the, the Music City Miracle. It would have been like this crazy story of like Rob Johnson starts one game all year, wins in the playoffs with a game-winning drive. And instead, it went down legendary the other direction. So there's my Wade that, Phillips story. That's crazy. I remember, I mean, just to take this bunny trail a step further, I remember the 2000 Bills because I remember my dad took me to a Bills-Vikings game in 2000, my first NFL game. I was in the t literally the top row of the stadium in the Metrodome. Could not have been higher. And Doug Flutie was the quarterback. And um, and I, I just yeah. looked up his stats from that year. That was the only game Doug Flutie lost. There must have been an injury or something to Johnson. But Johnson went 4-7 and seven in 2000, yeah. and Flutie went 4-1. and one. So clearly – the Rob Johnson momentum did not, you know, carry over to 2000 either. And the Flutie magic did, but it looks like they stuck with Johnson and they went eight and eight that year. And here's a crazy thing about Rob Johnson in, he would just, 
he just would get sacked all the time. He was sacked 49 times in 11 games, which is nuts. Like, I mean, it's just getting sacked once every like couple of dropbacks. Flutie was clearly the better player. I mean, there was really no way around it. Uh, it, But the owner, the owner, this is what you never know when your team makes crazy decisions. And the fact that you don't have to really deal with this with the Vikings is, is unique because in Buffalo they did. One time, uh, Ralph Wilson, who owned the Bills, he made them draft Willis McGahee, who had torn his ACL. Like he wouldn't even be able to play that year, but he wanted him. So he forced their front office to draft a running back who had torn his ACL in the like college championship. Just insane stuff uh, used to happen there. And now like, you know, I mean, there's insane stuff, but there's also a uh, non-disclosure agreement. So uh, <laughs> let's get to, to Ed Donatel real quick. Um, the three, four, my friends, I guess it won't matter how many times we kind of talk about like, there's really not that big of a difference and they're going to mix fronts. And it's really just based on sort of the strength of the defense at this point. There's not going to be four linebackers on the field, but uh, the three, four is alive and Ed Donatel is pumping life into it. And so he did actually answer a Daniil Hunter question, by the way, Sam. He did. I'm not sure he wanted to. I mean, his first Hunter response was very short um, and then he was pressed on it and he did give a little bit of info about how Hunter could be the outside linebacker or defensive end. And I I felt like Donatel was hesitant to give any real info. I mean, he was also asked, what players are you excited about? He didn't want to name any names. Um, He wouldn't really, you know, commit to kind of what their defense will look like because he claims it's going to be multiple, which I guess is a, a valid answer. I felt like with Donatel, it was a little more about this is my mentality. I want to be, you know, a, a, a leader of this group. I want to stay young. I want this this coaching staff to keep me young and make sure I don't get crusty. And uh, he's got a lot of energy. I'll give him that. He seems very excited to be there. Um, but I didn't feel like I learned a whole lot. I, I did find it interesting, too, though. And I'll have to dig into this more. But he led a transformation in Denver from the 25th ranked defense to mm-hmm. third last year. And that's pretty much the exact kind of turnaround that the Vikings are are shooting for. I think they were 24th in points against last year, 30th in yards. Um, and they're trying to turn it around, obviously. So I think Denver probably had a few more resources at their disposal to make that happen. But I'll have to see what went down. Donatel didn't give me a whole lot on that. Was there anything that popped out to you in the transcript? Because I I thought Donatel was a little bit dodgy when it came to real details. More like Donna, don't tell. Oh, right. don't don't ask Donatel. Oh, no, 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 yeah, don't don't go there. Uh, but uh, <laughs> so, thank you. <laughs> you got to keep me in check sometimes. Yeah. The uh, do you like the fact that they hired Ed Donatel? I don't know if we really talked about this much. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, I think there's value 
in having veterans on your coaching staff. I mean, if everybody is doing it for the first time, then you probably are a little bit rudderless. So I'm okay with that. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with, um, you know, his credentials. He's obviously done this for a long time. Uh, you know, we saw the, like I mentioned, the transformation in Denver. Um, the league has changed a lot, you know, since he was a, a defensive coordinator in Green Bay. There's a huge gap between his coordinator gigs. Um, and the fact that he was able to to have pretty decent success in Denver after a long, you know, stint away tells me that, yeah, he uh, he can probably handle this. It is going to be you know, a little different to have now a defensive coordinator who really does have like a whole lot of power because he is going to be calling the plays. He is going to have a handle on that side of the ball. Whereas Patterson, George Edwards, Adam Zimmer, they were the Wes Phillips of that, you know, generation of coaches. So he does have a lot of like power in his hands in this organization. Now the benefit for Donatel is that it cannot get a lot worse. So if he shows anything next year, like whether it's just the direction of the defense, if he cultivates a few good players, you know, makes average players good, good players great. um, (laughs) I think he's going to be pretty favorably received and his enthusiasm certainly, you know, hits the fan base in the right spot. They'll be excited to see his excitement. So I guess I don't really, I can't really judge him tactically that much. Um, It's, is he like the hot young commodity? Is he Raheem Morris? No, no, he's not that. But um, I don't have a strong opinion against him, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think for coming from Fangio is always a, a big plus. Experience in this situation is important. I'm I'm good with that. Like, And he can build it however he wants. Because if you asked me to talk about players that I was excited about on the Vikings defense, I'd be like, well, <laughs> yeah, there's... Yeah, there's people on there. There's people under contract is what I would say. If yeah. you ask me that same question, well, there's people under contract. Uh, well, time is done to tell us how the defense works out. Two quick, uh, I'll just Very good. give you a chance to react to that one. But uh, two quick things rumor-wise that I want you to comment on. Number one is I believe the San Francisco 49ers are not super pleased with the phone calls they have gotten for Jimmy Garoppolo because suddenly Adam Schefter is reporting that they don't have to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, did their head coach say midway through the season, Trey Lance is our future? Did Jimmy Garoppolo say, yes, I've actually worked with the team about being traded? Yes, those things happened. However, if the offers weren't that good, they're going to say, we don't have to trade Jimmy G. Um, what do you think? Uh, what what do you think's going on with Jimmy G? He's gone. I mean, this it couldn't be more transparent that San Francisco is trying to play a little bit of hardball through the media. That's fine. That's what the Vikings are doing. That's what other teams have done before. But come on now. You've got maybe the potential of Tom Brady getting coaxed out of retirement to play in San Francisco, which a lot of people have projected. You've got Aaron Rodgers, maybe on, on the move. You, you, you know, you obviously want to uh, want to have the, the chance to, uh, to bring him in. And if neither of those happen, you fall back on Trey Lance. You have a quarterback on a rookie deal. I mean, all of those scenarios are probably better than having Jimmy Garoppolo there. And so I, I guess the bottom line would be, okay, Brady falls through. He's not going to play. Rodgers stays in Green Bay. All right, well, now here we are. There's going to be less quarterback movement. 
Um, are we going to accept a like, and then you get into the argument too of, well, all right, Cleveland wants to do a deal. Where, where does Mayfield stack up with Garoppolo? Like, right. you know, who's, who's getting draft picks in that case, or if it's Garoppolo and cousins, who's the team getting draft picks here. I can see where those deals would get complicated with each team trying to say our quarterback is better. Now please take him and give us draft picks. Like that's, it's such a weird argument to mm-hmm. make. So I think it's going to be, I'm sure it's going to be messy with Garoppolo and with a lot of other franchises, but I don't buy for a second that he's going to hang around. I just, I don't think that that makes sense for anyone. No. And the idea that Trey Lance is really far away is really raw. I mean, he got into games last year. He didn't fall on his face. He won a game last year. It's not like he came out and threw six picks or something. He looked better in his one, was it one start? He looked better in his very limited starting than Zach Wilson did the whole year. Like, come on, come on. No one believes this. No one believes that you're going to keep Jimmy Garoppolo. The only way someone else is quarterbacking other than Trey Lance is if Tom Brady says, I can't do anything else but play in San Francisco. That is the only way he's there. So this is clearly just posturing from them. They want better offers and they're trying to say, we'll keep them. We swear. No, you won't. Um, Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen at all. Let me just get real quick before we wrap up a prediction from you. I am now predicting as Aaron Rodgers is set to make his decision 2022 or whatever that Rodgers will come out next week and he will announce he's coming back one more year. Going to do what Favre couldn't do. I'm going to bring you guys that second Super Bowl and I am going to cleanse my body in ways that you never even imagined. Um, on, on the PFF podcast, they actually read all the things he did with this crazy cleanse. I don't want to read them out loud. We get complimented for being a kid-friendly show. It's messed up. It's just messed up. Like, this this idea yep. that you do a bunch of weird things to your body and somehow that's good. It's not. But anyway, uh, that's my prediction. Why don't you give yours? Well, I'm disappointed because for the first time in my life, I found the Pat McAfee show. I did not know where it was aired, how to get to it. Was it like a subscription thing? I didn't know. And I clicked the link and I watched Aaron Rodgers live thinking I was going to get the news as it was happening. Mm. And then... I heard about a poncha karma instead. That's what it's called. Okay. I've Pancha seen it written. Karma. I had never. Yeah. I, I didn't know what he was saying until I saw it like written on Twitter and like, okay, that, that, that is the word. But um, I, I get the sense that sort of his, I don't know the, as relaxed as he is right now. And as almost like, kind of like Riley smiling on the Pat McAfee show, like, I'm not going to make a decision today. I'm going to make you wait. That tells me that he is going to come back. Um, So I I get the sense that he, again, sees that Brady is not in the mix anymore in the NFC. The NFC is barren of great quarterback play. He may as well uh, make a run at it. But uh, Diana Rossini is talking about $50 million. How's that going to work? I mean, I'm sure you can pull it off somehow if you're Green Bay, and Aaron Rodgers is the type that could – perform with a bad roster but eh, it's going to be some serious gymnastics for the Packers to figure that out ever look at how crazy Tom Brady's contract was last year Tom Brady's contract last year hold on pull, yeah. pulling this well, up he, Usually, it was only going to be 20 million this year against the cap if he had come back Tom Brady against the cap last year cost 2021 10 million dollars Tom Brady made in cash 44 million dollars and there you have it. 
And there <laughs> this, you have it. Like, was that I don't know. avoid years or was it like, we'll pay uh, your trainer? How did that work? Yeah. Uh, looks like um, three void years is what it took for, for Brady to be able to do that. 23, 2023, 2024, 2025, the Tampa Bay Bucks will be paying Tom Brady when he is no kidding, 48 years old or like paying for him on the cap. They won't be paying him actually, but that's what they had to do. It's very similar to the Drew Brees thing where it was just like 17 void years, whatever, man, we could win a Super Bowl. Who a cares? Bobby we'll Bonilla deal. Yes. They're paying yes. him a million a year. Yes. Um, last thing I promise. What's your cleanse? My cleanse is watching old football games. And I decided last night. So I went over to, to go to the gym, but there were just too many people there. I still, you know, I know that COVID's doing better lately. I feel good about that, but like, Still, there's a number of people in the gym that I just don't want to participate. So I decided to run. It was two degrees outside. And so I went for a three something mile run outside. And let me tell you, that's a cleanse. You, It takes a really long time to thaw, but it's a cleanse. Uh, so what is yours? Yeah, you know, after a long, hard day of recording podcasts, shooting videos, <laughs> reporting on, on football. I don't know how you do it. I like to unwind. Um in the kitchen, you know, if I, we've got so many ways to play music now. We've got sort of the Google Home system. So put on something from before 1980 and, um, you know, get a couple pots boiling on the stove, maybe uh, a seltzer or a glass of wine. That is uh, like the half hour from five o'clock to 530 when I can do that and the kids aren't home yet from daycare. Mm. That's a great half hour. That's a great half hour. And then they come home. My world crashes around me. But <laughs> of course, I yeah. get cleansed before that from all the work that you have me doing, Matthew, that puts such stress in my life. I, I know. I I'm, know. I'm kidding. I'm well, kidding. you know what? You got to push people to get greatness out of them. And uh, that's clearly what's happening. There's here. a Blum Phillips quote about that, I bet. Probably. Uh, well, uh, yeah, no, I won't insult you with the one about average player. No, good players to be great players. There you go. That's the one. Um, but uh, my wife does that too. Uh, where she, she'll put in the earbuds and listen to Taylor Swift or something and, you know, that kind of deal. So, all right. Well, this was fun. Um, we have the combine coming up next week. We're going to have a couple of combine preview episodes coming up. And I'm not, I'm not joking, Sam. This is not a joke. I will have a former long snapper on the show. This is actually happening. There's a former college long snapper who now writes about the draft and podcasts about the draft that is going to come on and talk about the, the combine, but also long snapping. That's must listen. Have you ever heard a better tease in your life? No, I haven't. Okay. Is it okay. overbought? Goodbye, everyone.